Do you have a favorite grandchild? I admit that I do, but not just one, a few. They are the ones that easily allow me into their world, the ones who welcome me into their space and make me feel like we have a special connection. Is that bad? We're going to start by talking about that in today's episode and end the episode by talking about ageism and how it makes us feel as we head towards our 60s and beyond. I'm Emily Morgan. And I'm Mike Morgan. And welcome to today's episode of The Grand Life. Favorites. Does that mean we single out someone because we like them better? I don't think so. I love every grandchild and I love spending time with them, but honestly, there are a few here and there that I find I have a better connection with. For me, the connection started out very early, like when I would hold them as babies. You know, I have been dealing with this problem with my voice, but I finally got better enough so that I can go back to volunteering at the hospital um, holding babies because they don't care what my voice sounds like. Fortunately, right? Well, it's the holding, right? I mean, you do talk and you do sing to them, but it's the holding. Right. So, you know, when I was really sick and I couldn't be with them, I would just dream about it. That's how much of a privilege it felt to me to do it and how much I missed it. Um, Because for me, when I hold a baby, I have this instant connection. But not always. Like, sometimes there are babies even that I hold at the hospital where I'll have an instant connection. And then other times when I'm like, oh, well, you know, I don't feel that with Because them. they're fussy or because they behave in a certain way? I, I, I don't even know if I could explain it. Hmm. It has very little to do with what they look like. It's just how they feel in my arms and sometimes they open their eyes and I look at them and we, we kind of have this connection. You connect. Yeah. yeah I, you know, I felt that with a few of our grands when they were born. Like I remember one specifically that just, I mean, the minute He looked at me. I just felt such an instant connection, and I still feel that closeness with him now. And it's kind of odd and hard to explain, and that's why I say, you know, favorites, I don't know. They're just kids you connect with. Well, it's not an act of the will. It's not like you choose this one because of a certain thing. Right. Almost it choosing you. So this week in grandparenting, I wanted to talk a little bit about... Um, going to that same museum I was talking about, that outdoor museum. But this time I went with my sister and one of our grandchildren and my daughter. And it was really funny to watch this one grandchild and how open they were to my sister, who, you know, I mean, we look a little bit alike, but really. They don't know each other. Yeah, they don't know. They don't know each other. And I mean, maybe they could tell that we were related, but I don't think so. But anyway, he, this grandchild just was so open. Like at first he turned away when we introduced her and he acted like he wasn't sure. And then within a few minutes, I mean, he was all over her and all about her. And they went and did a bunch of things at the museum together. And by the end, he literally wanted to hug her goodbye before he hugged me goodbye. The great, the great aunt he hardly knew two hours ago. Yeah. That's how open he is and how he embraces 
literally and figuratively, people. Well, that says a lot about him, about his yes. personality. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's kind of funny because you can't, you know, you, you don't know where that comes from. I mean, some children are open and some children are kind of closed. This week, we had a sleepover with three of our grandchildren. Three different ones from the one that you're just talking about. Right. Yeah. And, you know, out of those three, two of them are way more open and interested in being close. And then one of them is not. And you wonder, you know, where does that come from? I mean, what makes them like that? Is it nurture or nature? Must be nature. Because the nurturing is relatively consistent. Yeah. I mean, other other than the fact that you nurture a child based on the way their personalities are. Yeah. So, you know, we're watching this from a generation removed. We're watching our children parent their children. Mm-hmm. And some of them just come out different. Yeah, they do. And like I said, it isn't that really, I don't know whether you want to say they're my favorite, but you know, when you have commonalities, things that you have in common, and for me, connecting emotionally, physically, is one commonality I have with some of the grandchildren that I don't have with others. Some of them will come to me easily. Others push away. Others don't want to be hugged. You had an aunt who they used to say with your grandmother when she was born, when she would, they would want her to sit on somebody's lap, what would she say? She'd say, don't mash me. Don't mash me. <laughs> she was an Alabama girl. And that's, that's how she expressed herself, but she just didn't want anybody holding her too tightly. And I think there are some of our grandchildren who are like that. They would prefer not to be mashed. Don't want to be mashed. <laughs> and there's nothing against them, but it's just harder to feel that connection with them. So, so um, just quickly, do you look for that? And move toward it, or do you wait for it and accept it? Oh, you know, I th I don't know. Hmm. I don't know whether I'm, I think that I'm definitely drawn towards it. And, you know, I accept the other children. Sure. Grandchildren. To the, to the degree they want. Ex acceptance. To be, to be mashed. Yeah. <laughs> to, to be whatever. <laughs> to be embraced. Yeah, I feel kind of bad sometimes because I, I you know, I want to give one of them a kiss or want to give one of them a hug and they push away and they don't want it. Yeah. But that's just who they are. And I just have to accept that. So I don't push. I don't make my, you know, if they push, pull away, I stay away. But sometimes it makes me a little sad because I think, you know, eventually I feel like that's going to affect our relationship, but I don't know. I don't know. It was interesting. I saw something on Facebook of a friend who is our adult kid's age. And he was writing about his 99-year-old grandfather and how, as a grandson, he hadn't been the most responsive. And he says, um, what did he say in there? You, you're a friend of his, too. He said, I didn't always appreciate him, meaning the grandfather, especially in my preteen years. But there was a lot I didn't know or understand at that age. So let's chalk it up to adolescent stupidity and hope that I made up for it as I aged. Yeah, there you go. And this is my hope. So with some of our grandchildren, I wonder if they won't eventually recognize the value of our relationship with them and they won't kind of push it off. I'm expecting that for a while they might be like that. Sure. You know, and I think we have to accept that, right? Yeah. So this writer here is about 30-ish, mm -hmm. 30, 30, 35. Mm -hmm. He's changed. 
Yeah, he's changed. And fortunately, he had his grandfather around long enough so he could change and, and express that and make up for the fact that he had been kind of, you know, non-accepting of the relationship his grandfather might have wanted with him. So, you know, I'm open to the change. And because I know aging for all of us going forward uh, isn't going to be easy, I wanted to talk a little bit about ageism and how it affects us as grandparents. Will our grandchildren revere us or be revolted by us? I, I think a lot of it and I don't know what your thoughts are on this, but I think a lot of it is going to depend on how our country views older people as we move forward. That's been a problem for decades, how the country views older people. Yeah. But there are patterns of moving, living, and working that are all operating against us right now. Yeah. People live further away from their grandparents. Life becomes more complicated, and so the role for the grandparent may be minimized. We've talked in past episodes about grandparents who continue working until later in life, and so their free time to be an active, engaged, involved grandparent is also reduced by the fact that they still have to work to a later age. Yeah. All those things kind of work against the uh, the repair of the relationship between grandchild and grandparent as both of them age. Yeah. It's strange. You know, I, I've invited Melissa Davey from Season 3, Episode 12 to join us here. That was uh, called Recollection 6, uh, to talk with us about ageism. And for those of you who listen to that episode, you know that Melissa is the writer and director of Beyond 60, a documentary about aging. Hi, Melissa. Welcome back to The Grand Life. Thank you. It's great to be here. It's great to see you again. Yeah, you too. Um, tell me a little bit about what you're doing now. What I'm doing now, I'm working on my second documentary. It should be out at the beginning of the year. It's called Climbing Into Life, and it is a another older woman, somebody who's in her 70s, and it's her life story, and it's just fascinating. Oh, that's great. And so where are you in the process? Are you, have you already filmed everything? Editing. Or? Everything's filmed, and uh, it's in the can, and we're editing it, and um, it's a long, tedious process. Is it? Is not your favorite part? No, because it just doesn't go as quickly as I would like it to. But it, but it's great, and I have a wonderful editor that I'm working with, and I love her. She helped me um, with some of the Beyond Sixty um, editing as well. So yeah, we're I having a good time doing it. I just, I just have this anxiety about, come on, let's move a little faster. But that's just probably due to my age. I don't know. <laughs> Mike and I just watched the Beyond 60 documentary again just to kind of catch up again on it. And it was just so lovely. It's such a wonderful, life-giving um, documentary about older women and what they can do and what they've been told they can't do. And right. um, one of the reasons we invited you back is because I'm curious about how you feel about the most recent incident with the Canadian broadcaster, um, Lisa Laflame. How do you say your name, do you think? Lisa Laflame? Lisa Laflame. So she's 58 and she was fired. And she believes she was fired because, or let go, because she decided to let her hair go gray. Yes. Um, I wonder what your thoughts about that are. You know, the the minute that I heard the news, and I, I, I think I read it within moments of it coming out, um, 
I, I, you know, my back went up a little bit and I was like, you know, and then I said to myself, wait a minute, maybe, maybe there was something else yeah. and try to be open to the fact that there are some people that maybe, um, you know, did something wrong on the job and there's reasons that they're leaving. So I tried to have an open mind, but my, my gut instinct was that it was because she was getting older and her hair was gray. Yeah. Um, and, and it really bothered me. And it, and I immediately thought of a woman that I know that used to be a, a television reporter. Mm-hmm. And I remember talking with her about what that was like and what the expectations were for a woman in that role, as opposed to the men in the role. And she gave me, you know, she did this for several years. She was on the nightly news on the desk. And um, she told me about how they would talk to her about her weight. And she was a thin woman. She was mm-hmm. thin, fit. Yeah. Um, they would talk to her if they thought her clothing was too loose, too tight, about what her hair should look like, what kind of makeup she should be wearing. There was a constant focus on what she was going to wear mm-hmm. and how she was going to be dressed, you know, look as far yes. as makeup goes and hair. And I, I just kept going back to that at, when I was listening to this Canadian story, yeah. thinking, of course, yeah, that's exactly what it is. I know, it isn't is, it wrong? I mean, we haven't we progressed? No. And where does the sense of entitlement come from that it's it's everybody else's business? It, it, that drives me insane. Yeah. I mean, really, what does it matter? I mean, if she had been on the job for a year, I would have questioned more heavily you know did she not do a good job she was on the the show for a very very long time huge reputation very good reputation reputation. everything she'd done nothing uh that she has you know there's nothing that has come out to say that she was a poor employee in any way right um and she had a huge following so there was somebody and i hate to say this but my gut is it was probably a male. Sorry, Mike. Sorry to my <laughs> husband. But it was probably a male, uh, you know, in the upper echelons of the business saying, you know, this isn't the look that we're going for. We're going to yeah. lose people if yeah. they see this aging woman giving them the news. Yes. Well, you know, that really makes me mad because she here she's at her prime and she's exactly. only in her 50s. I yeah. mean, I'm 72. <laughs> So, you know, yeah. if somebody moved me out because of my age, I think I, I would be very loud about that. Yeah. And I think this is just a, an ongoing series of events that are occurring all over the world. And it's occurring with women and not men. Oh, exactly. I mean, men can have gray hair and it's considered distinguished. They have white walls, you know, on the sides and the whole thing. And, and women have that beauty as well, in my opinion. Exactly. I mean, I have gray hair. I like it. Um, but I, I think we should have, you know, we shouldn't be captive. Women should not be captive to a single kind of image that they have right. to look a certain way. And right. men certainly aren't. Men are, you know, you see men who are overweight, you see men who right. have gray hair, and they're still doing their job. Right. And it's it's just wrong, seems to me. Yeah. So unfortunately, it has not changed enough for, you know, this is 2022. I know. And there are so many different 
groups and individuals out there talking about ageism and sexism in the workplace specifically, that you would think that there would be some momentum moving you forward. Think. And and I do, you know, through LinkedIn and other uh, social media groups, I do belong to some of those groups uh, of people trying to bring this narrative forward. And I sometimes at the end of those meetings walk away thinking, maybe it's only like-minded people that are listening to this. Yeah. How do yeah. we get, how do we get to the men and how do we have those discussions with companies as opposed right. to just the, the people who, who support the language, you know? Yeah. Did that play out for you in your own career and experiences when you were working? You know, I mean, you're it, working now, but I'm saying when you were right. in, like when business. I was in the corporate world, yeah. um, I was so fortunate to be in a company that revered older women. <laughs> I mean, oh, you know, I'm, I was I left at 65 because I decided I wanted to leave. But I was, mm -hmm. you know, more than welcome to stay. And to this day, there are people there beyond 72 um, that are still where it's a large national company. And, you know, I sat on the executive team um, and it was 60, 40, 60 men, 40 women, mm -hmm. which I thought, you know, that's a pretty darn good balance for a large corporation. So I didn't feel it there, but I built businesses within huge corporate concerns around the country. And I felt it there. I'm going to pull it back a little to grandparenting about ageism, because this is so funny. Just recently, um, I experienced something with my grandkids that I, you know, I wasn't feeling particularly strong. I had gone to visit them in Virginia, and I wasn't feeling vibrant like I usually feel. And we had gone to the pool, and they knew that I wasn't feeling great. And they were so sweet, and they were kind of like, we were at the pool, and they were guiding me over to this, like, this built-in bench that was in the pool as if, you know, Emmy, you can sit here. Come over here. They're yelling it. So everybody at the pool is looking at you, right? <laughs> as I'm kind of inching over carefully and gingerly. And I, you know, it was so funny because it was kind of hilarious at the time, but also I felt this twinge of what it might be like to be le a less than vibrant grandparent, like an aging grandparent. And mm. I... I kind of wondered if you've thought anything about that, what it, what you think you're going to feel like when ageism starts to become a little more real, like how you might be treated as you grow older, because we're right. not at that stage yet, but no. we might, we will be. I was going to say we might be, yeah. we will be. <laughs> we will be. It's yeah. inevitable. Hopefully we will be. <laughs> I, I yes. would rather have that than the alternative. But, exactly. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I uh, being active right now in my life at 72, um, my grandsons look at me as a younger person and they've, they're old enough now to be able to articulate that. Hmm. And when I talk about, oh, I'm tired today, I'm, I'm getting old guys, I can't make it up that hill. And they're like, <laughs> Grammy, you're not old. Look at you, you're making <laughs> movies. You yeah. know, so they, they uh, see me as somebody vibrant and and they will even talk about well you're not like so and so mm -hmm. you know they're old you're not old yet so that you. gives me hope that gives me hope that we've maybe taught our children to teach the young children to be open and accepting of whoever their grandparents might be <laughs> but it is i mean when you do see 
uh, ageism uh, going on in the streets, so to speak, or out mm-hmm. there. Um, it, it's sad to me, you know, yeah. and sometimes people will overcompensate for older people, mm-hmm. you know, and just because the person's having trouble maybe maneuvering uh, mm-hmm. the, the curb and they're going to help you maneuver the curb. Have you ever noticed they might start talking to them very loud? Yeah. Like there's an assumption yeah. that they might be deaf and, you know, and I've seen older people say, I can hear you fine. Yes. Thanks for the, thanks for the help with the step, but you know, I'm not deaf, yeah. but there was this immediate, immediate thought on the younger person's side that well, I better, you know, I have to talk slowly and very loud to them. Yes. And really this might've been somebody who had a sprained ankle. And so yeah, she right. was my age, but she's exactly with it. And could yes. have a conversation with that young person yes. uh, that would probably knock their socks off. I hope this podcast will help people spur them on to sp- speak well of older people and with older people. Right. And and not to um, p- put them all in the same box. Everybody ages right. differently. Right. But, you know, and they're not going to know um, how interesting they could be until they have a conversation with them. Right. And, and that's and, what you do with your movies. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so much fun. Just, you know, because every time you have a conversation with anybody, anybody, you walk away with something that might change yourself. And, right. and that's what I always feel so great about. And I think that's what keeps us young as well. We may yeah. on the chart, we may be old, but we stay young by being connected and being mm-hmm. connected with not just people our age, but younger people as well. Exactly. Exactly. Melissa Davy, thank you for joining us on The Grand Life. It was so nice to have you here again. Hopefully we'll have you you again sometime. Thanks so much. I really appreciate it. Melissa Davy is a documentary filmmaker who lives in Valley Forge, Pennsylvania. She is a wife, a mother, and a grandmother to three boys. Her next film, Climbing Into Life, should be out in 2023. Mike, wasn't that fun to talk with Melissa again? Especially given that we just saw the movie Beyond 60 just a few days ago. It was great fun to look at it again. Yeah, it was. If you haven't had a chance to watch it, we will probably put a link on our sure. website so you can go to it and watch it. Um, it's delightful. And, it, you know, it's just so much fun to make these friends through our seasons of The Grand Life, you know, and f- learn about them and find out what they're doing. I love having made so many friends through our seasons of The Grand Life. And if you have suggestions for people that you think should be guests on our podcast, there's a couple of different ways you can send those suggestions to us. One is by email at grandlifeconnection at gmail.com. That's one word, grandlifeconnection at gmail.com. Or give us a phone call and leave voicemail at 317-572-7876. Hey, before we uh, tell you what's up for next week, I wanted to mention to you two traditions that our adult children mentioned to me that I'd completely forgotten about this week. Which was the topic of last week's episode. Yeah, traditions. These are things that you might want to share with your adult children, and they they might enjoy doing with your grands, because this is not something we could do with our grands, but... They were telling me this week about how frustrating it is to um, 
go birthday shopping to buy birthday presents for other kids, yeah. for, for the grandkids to do that, and how it just gets crazy and there's so many birthday parties. But also uh, they do this at each Christmas with their kids that we did, and that is they have ahead of time bought gifts that are similar in price, say, I don't know, 10 to $15, and they buy them and then they keep them in their closet. And then when it's time for Christmas or for when they want to shop for a friend for their birthday, they pull them all out and they put them on the bed. We used to do this for our kids and we'd call it, you know, Christmas shopping store or something. And they would sit outside and I'd bring them in one at a time and they would shop for their siblings from this Christmas store. And it would cost them each like $5 or $3 or something like that. It was always the same amount of money. But, you know, obviously those presents were cost us more than $3, but that's all they had to spend. And they got to choose from, you know, eight different things. And it ended up being so much less pressure and so much more fun for the kids. And my children have mentioned to me how much fun that was for them. And they're doing it with their own kids. And then the other thing is, at Valentine's Day, we always bought our kids a book. I used to tell them, the best way to show that I love you is to buy you a book, because I love books. So they did that. So they have continued that tradition. That is, they buy a book for each of their children on Valentine's Day. And that way you don't have to think too much about it. You know, you just, they know they're getting a book, but they're very excited about the book because they don't know what it is. And those are just two traditions that make life easier that you might want to share with your adult kids. That's all for this episode. I'm Emily Morgan. And I'm Mike Morgan. And thanks for joining us in Living the Grand Life. Next time on The Grand Life. I saw a story on the Today Show about a therapist, Jessica McNair, who shared her parenting rules on a TikTok video. The reason I thought it was interesting is because it might affect how your grandchildren will be parented. How so? Well, while most of the rules make sense to me, the one I'm most curious about is the one about bodily autonomy where she feels the need to ask her own children for consent before she hugs them. That's next time on The Grand Life.